I'm your host, Marian Walter, Head of Strategy here at Stake Rewards, and you're listening to the Staking Mondays podcast, where we provide weekly actionable insights to, to the staking industry for investors, professionals, and newcomers. My special guest this week is Rupert Barksfield from Amulet Protocol. Amulet is a decentralized risk protection protocol, short RPP, initially deployed on Solana. Amulet combines liquid staking soul with risk underwriting for various DeFi applications. Since October 2021, Rupert has been project lead at Amulet Protocol. Next to this, he's a founder, investor, partner, advisor, and mentor at different companies. Notable are his activities as founding member of Cointelegraph Innovation Circle and his mentoring at Outlier Ventures. Today, we are going to talk about Amulet Protocol and how they want to offer simple, reliable risk cover for everyone in Web3. Rupert, welcome to the Staking Mondays. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. So the big elephant in the room is obviously FTX, especially uh, the fallout from its collapse that it had on the Solana ecosystem. So according to our Stake Rewards data, um, the total staked value of Solana went down from 15 billion US dollars to about 5 billion US dollars in the, in the last 30 days. What's your take on this? Uh, well, I think we need to, to, to check on the data. Uh, 15 billion um, sounded like a lot, but I, I guess it's across the entire ecosystem. I mean, I'm, I really focus around the DeFi uh, sector. I mean, we in DeFi, we went off about 1.8, not too many months ago, a uh, billion, down to about three or 400 million. It was uh, at its worst. It's climbed um, uh, a little bit over the last week or so. Um, But in short, I mean, look, the whole industry, and this is, you know, let's take Solana and, you know, FTX sort of out of this for a second. The whole industry is really hurting, right? Yeah, this is a, uh, been a monumental uh, event. And I, I hope that the, what happens after this, we're all able to learn. We're all able to learn from not, you know, trusting too much in, individuals or in companies that on the outside look flashy and nice and good but actually on the inside are, are clearly very um problematic uh, so so to speak you, you know i i felt felt as uh, to that i don't know how you uh, uh fared marion but the uh, certainly i looked at ftx i thought it was a bit of a shining example um you know in the industry and, and i would of, often recommend using them um And it was just the glitz and the glamour that I was looking at. I really wasn't looking at the the, the fundamentals under underneath. Uh, not that I really had a lot of access to it, but you would have hoped some of their investors might have done a little bit more due diligence and, uh, and provided us, the, you know, with the with the uh, uh, you know evidence and the um, confidence that we needed in in such a company. Yeah, definitely. So I'm exactly in the same boat. Um, I recommended FTX for uh, somebody else as well as a, as a good trading venue. And I, I still think that uh, the matching engine was quite good. Trading was quite good on there. And yeah, so the, the only thing that um, gave a little bit of, of yeah, calming the nerves, so to say, is that Multicoin and, and all the other investors, they yeah, really didn't, didn't come to another conclusion, even having the access, potentially having the access to data. And then, Later on, you just see how how the whole thing completely was so unprofessional. And the, the biggest thing in the end is Alameda wasn't even profitable in trading. So uh, that's that's 
the the strangest and biggest thing uh and also I mean, the funniest thing afterwards to take away we, we thought we had seen probably some of the largest uh ponzi schemes in history you know bernie madoff etc but it's it's a it's a it's a speck in the ointment of of what has been what has been done and, and what uh, what may be done in, in, in the future. I don't think this will be the end. I, don't, I, think, I think there will, will be, um, you know, other bigger things that happen in the, in, in, in the future. But hopefully we can still uh, at least learn from this. And, and actually, just as you touched on, on Multicoin and, and the other VCs uh, from that, I've actually been really impressed by, um, you know, the response of a lot of the VCs in, in the industry who have, who basically did hold up their hand and saying, look, we didn't do the, the DD like we should have. And you know this is a calculated risk from our from our end, and it hasn't made much, that much impact on our fund or or or, or, or whatever. Yeah, that some have been really highly impacted, some have, some haven't. But um, you know, there's been uh, the, some that came in and, and held their hands up and said, "Look, we did an hour of DD on this. We put in X hundred mil, and it's made very little difference to our um, to our actual uh, outcome." But then slightly beyond that, actually, just come back, bring, bring focus back to the Solana ecosystem. Um, more excitingly is how well, you know, DeFi and the community on Solana has bound together throughout this, this process. It's, it's been long thought that, you know, FTX and, and Solana are just hand in glove. Right. And actually, this has been able to show the world that that's not the case. They are entirely independent of each other. And, you know, just looking at the price of Sol and how well it's been rallying over the past few weeks, you know, and, and holding its own against, you know, some really fierce, you know, FUD and, and sell pressure out there. Um, it's done really well. And, and then if you look at the actual protocols themselves, you know, very quickly forking and making difference with, um, uh, with the Serum um, protocol. As soon as that was found out to be um, exploited, they, uh, you know, the community came together, they forked it, they made a new one, they made it better. And now that's out there for everybody to use. Mm. Yeah. So um, two two things to that. Uh, first, of course, would be how does it affect Amulet Protocol? And I think you already answered my my question. My second question is how do you think the ecosystem will develop forward from here? So you see uh, that the big patron is out of the way, and now the the, the prodigies they start walking on their own, right? Yeah, I mean, so from our point of view, look, we've been a multi-chain solution since uh, day one. And whilst we took the decision to, to develop out on Solana first, our system has always been designed to, to bring in other chains and, and, and operate in, 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 that, in that fashion. Because, you know, we're here for the whole of Web3. We're not just here for one specific ecosystem. And if we, I think if we were, we'd probably be you know, in, in, in more of a, a fearful state now than, than and we are. We're, we're actually, as a, as a as a business, we're we're pretty comfortable. We've got a good operating system, and um, uh, we're we're now just deploying onto our uh, additional chains in order to to maximise the amount of coverage we give. So, in, in you know, short term, there has obviously been uh, an, an impact. We launched in uh, in October, and uh, yeah, we would have preferred for the rest of the year to have been uh, uh, all rosy. But you know, these things happen in in crypto, and we're you know, we're in a a team of uh, run through several uh, bear markets already so we were expecting you know a bit of a crash to happen we just weren't expecting it to be as as, as severe um but uh you know as far as we're concerned as a business we're we're moving forward as normal you know it's 
it obviously isn't normal as a market uh, environment out there, but we were designed at the start to deal with this. Hmm. Got it. So you already mentioned it. You went live uh, in October, so that's roughly one and a half, two months ago. Uh, give us a brief explainer about Amulet Protocol. What is it and what does it do? Sure. So uh, in, in short, we're a cover protocol, which means that we, we provide cover uh, policies for uh, yeah, protecting the loss of uh, potential crypto while you're staking it on, um, on, on protocols that we cover. So right now, those protocols are uh, Orca, Radium, uh, Solend, um, uh, Mango, two or three others uh, that, that are in there that are just off the top of my head. But if you head over to Amulet.org, you can have a look at that. And, it, and, and with the protocol, you know, you're able to uh, take up cover um, for, for whenever you stake on those uh, protocols. So let's say you, you staked $1,000, you come to our platform and, and take out a policy for $1,000. And if the smart contracts were exploited and your capital was stolen, then you would be covered entirely for that. And the way in which we cover that, that capital and we underwrite it is on with the other side of the platform staking so um we run a uh, liquid stake asset which is amt sol so you come stake sol onto our, our protocol uh that generates uh, amt sol and you can stake that into auwt which is our core underwriting token and that underwriting token gives you exposure to those um uh, insurance policies or, or cover policies and the um uh, it means you, you generate yield from those uh, policies as well as generating yield from uh, the staking as well. So typically our yield looks between sort of 14 to 20 percent, uh, you know, but it all really depends on how many policies we're, we're selling on the other other side. Is this wonder, just uh, the policy oh, yield or both staking and policy yield? That's, the... that's staking plus plus uh, mm -hmm. policy. So, yeah, the normal staking uh, rewards are, are like any other sort of Solana validator. Um, and it's actually important to note that in the not too distant future, we'll also be accepting other liquid state uh, assets into our uh, AUWT token. So those users can also benefit in those rewards. But, it, but the... Um, important thing to, to, to bear in mind and the way that Amulet is designed is so that when you're staking inside the um, protocol, you're risking your yield and not uh, dependent on your full staked asset. Because the way that risk engine is designed and the way that we, we sell our policies on the other side is uh, all in line to make sure that if you're making 20% yield on your let's say a hundred dollars so you put a hundred dollars in you make twenty dollars worth of yield we risk on the on the sales side twenty dollars and not the hundred and twenty dollars so uh it's only the interest basically that's at stake and not the principal which Correct. reduces yeah. the risk for for the for the those that uh assume the risk for the one that's uh, pushing the risk away Exactly that. And uh, the, again, further to what, we're, to what we've designed is the yield could be an awful lot higher than that. But we've specifically we, we report those numbers because the uh, we're expecting claims to come in. We're expecting we'll be, be one or two uh, hacks. So we, we put in these barriers, these breakpoints between the claims and the 
from the and the staked assets. And those barriers are, are principally the the yield from the stake validator, the, the yield from the uh, the insurance policies themselves. And there's one third pool as well, which is uh, yield that comes from our capital acceleration program, which is another product we haven't turned on yet, but it enables platforms like Radium to um, put tokens into our system, which we then distribute to stakers. If stakers specifically want to back uh, the insurance policies on, say, Radium and um, uh, and, and benefit from those uh, additional rewards. Um, but that, that's a product that's going to that's be coming out probably uh, more around Q1, Q2 next year. Got it. Which risks do you cover? So right now we do uh, smart contract risk. That's our, that's our core uh, product. Um, in the not too distant future, we'll be launching a um, uh, stablecoin DPIC uh, product. Uh, and there's some other nice products as well coming uh, in 2023 uh slashing risk being the most uh, interesting one for the uh for the for the uh, people in in staking um and that will be you know looking at um uh, insuring firms that are, have specific issues around uh, or concerns around uh slashing and that may that probably won't be in the solana ecosystem because if you know much about the the solana staking they haven't been, actually turned on their slashing mechanisms just yet. What, what was the again, sorry? For the uh, slash? We, we'll, we'll be doing that in early 2023. Mm, got it. Um, and the um, uh, other products that we're looking at uh, that people have asked us for is obviously exchange risk and custodian risk. Those are two big products that people have asked us for. We've designed them out, but it's all about we're, what's beautiful about DeFi and also our biggest Achilles heel is that everything is totally transparent. You can see exactly how much capital we have staked and exactly how many uh, insurance policies we, we sell because it's all on chain, right? Nothing is hidden. The, um, the downside uh, to this, the, 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 the level of transparency is that we literally cannot sell the insurance policies unless we have the capital to support those uh, insurance policies. So we have to be very sta staggered and staged with our, um, our policies that we, we, we come out with so that um, we're then able to um, uh, make sure that we have the underwriting capital and everybody can see that that underwriting capital was there in order to sell the, uh, the actual uh, policy. Could you run us brief briefly through the maths behind it? So, uh because you need some actuarial um, experience there to to really like bind the risks that you assume to the the backing that you have claims that you pay out and so on what's like is it possible to give us a little bit of flavor of the math behind it yeah i'll, I'll give you an example of it but i, I want to be clear about my example up front this is not an exact representation of how we uh, do it because our system is is constantly in flux it's designed as an algorithm to to, to bend and flex so depending on how many policies we've got on this side how many uh, how much capital we've got on on this side and it's constantly rebalancing but the general principle around uh, insurance works in in so far that If you have $100 million of staking capital on one side, and let's say you insured a billion dollars worth of capital on the other side. Now, initially, you would go, well, how does that work? Because you've got billion dollars worth of, of, of policy over here and only $100 million to, to cover it. 
that if that went pop, it wouldn't cover it. These guys wouldn't be made whole. Well, what you do is, is you don't put that all on one protocol. You put it on 30, 40, 50, 60 different protocols. And so you build up the um, your, your, your kind of spread of risk and the likelihood of them all being uh, attacked or exploited all on the same day is very, very small. So you're creating a large amount of yield from all of the policies. So a uh, billion dollars worth of policy would generate us you know, between 50 and 60 million dollars worth of yield on a uh, 100 million dollars worth of actual capital that's being put down in order to insure it. So if you got that 50 to 60 million dollars, that's obviously 50 to 60 percent in terms of rewards coming back. Then we calculated in like how many we're expecting to go bump and how many are expected to, to actually have claims. And that'll come out of the, the kind of top portion of your of the rewards that are coming back. So let's say it's generating, uh, you know, that 50 to 60 million dollars. But the, the system is designed then to take 20 to 30 million dollars worth of hits before impacting uh, anything else further down the line. So the basic idea is uncorrelated risk, right? Uh, as soon Correct. as you diversify, the uncorrelated risk gets diversified away. But um, what I'm asking myself is, uh, in traditional insurance, you have tons of data, right? Ranging back, I don't know, 50 years, 70 years. Um, all this long time series of data is not available for DeFi. So how do you come up with the, with the actual probability distributions uh, and uh, all the uh, statistical um, states, so to say, to make these calculations. I, I assume there, there, there are many things that we haven't uncovered yet from an actual actuarial side. Uh, yes and no. So one of the, the so we could put in the, in the category of cyber, cyber risk insurance. We are in that kind of big, very broad uh, section. And, and cyber is actually in a, in a very, very similar um, Uh, area it doesn't have this huge amount of data going way way back and equally the exploits are very very different kind of going forward and uh and so you know as an actuary how would you put a premium price on insuring google for cyber risk i mean it's almost an impossible task but you've still got to do it because you've, you've got a customer here that demands a uh, a product so the way in which you do it is you you build out a lot of um Of, uh, of, of space and, um, and and theory around each potential area of risk. Now, the difference with what we've got on um, uh, in DeFi is actually everything's been recorded. We know exactly how every single exploit has happened. And there's been quite a lot of, of exploits. I mean, you know, last year, about $12 billion was, was stolen. This year, we've, we've had... I don't know the exact figure off the top of my head, but probably around three, four, five billion dollars already. Um, albeit we're almost at the end of the year now, but there were some mega uh, exploits this year. I mean, we had um, uh, the Ronin hack, which is a smart contract exploit. Uh, that was about 600 million. Um, there'll be there have been other types of of exploits which have been a bit more newer this year. So we looked at um, something like the, the financial exploit on Mango with Avi. And, uh, and what he was able to achieve there. And that was financial, but it was also DAO exploitive, expletive, uh, because he was able to manipulate how the DAO operated in, in, in that 
uh, exploit. But again, all of these are tracked and we understand exactly how any particular uh, exploit happens. So with something like smart contract risk, we actually really do have quite a lot of data around that. And we really understand, you know, that that, that particular um, uh, product. With stable coins, again, they've been around for a long time. We know exactly how uh, they DPEG or when they DPEG. We know the, 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 the kind of the, the operation risk. And then it's about building buffers around that. So, you know, there's no kind of two ways around it. You know, the sort of uh, on-chain insurance is quite expensive for, for, for what it is. But over time, as we get more data, it will go uh, it will go down. And also, I hope really that the industry is going to get a little bit more safer all, all around as well. Mm. So that's super interesting and also fascinating, I think, for uh, people coming from traditional insurance that actually you have much better database to draw from to calculate your, your risk and the premium and so on. Um, and as you said, over time, I think the most expensive or uh, the most dangerous risk are the unknown unknowns, right? And over yeah. time, we would assume yeah. those to go down. So super interesting. But um, last question on, on the super technical details. Uh, you've baked all of this actuarial science into code that runs and automates uh, updates automatically. Is that correct? I won't, I won't, you know, sugarcoat it. It's not one hundred percent is in there, but the vast majority is all built into the into the system. We we have a team that have come from uh, insurance. They've worked on other DeFi insurance protocols as well. We really understand, you know, the pitfalls with inside, um, you know, DeFi insurance and cover, as well as uh, the, the 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 pitfalls within the traditional uh, in insurance sector and what we're trying to achieve as a vision as a business overall so yeah we've, we've been you know very lucky that we've got uh, a lot of the best brains in the industry that have, have baked this into the the actual um the core of our dap um but there are areas that have to be done outside that so when you look at something like a claim that comes in we we've built out all of the the claim submission and the, and, and the majority of the claims processing uh engine But there are elements that still need to be looked by human eyes. So as we're on the subject, with a smart contract risk uh, claim, it gets submitted into the, into the system. We may ask uh, that wallet for more, uh, for more data, a bit more evidence uh, for them to, to supply. And the, um, our team will make an assessment on it. Our community will make an assessment of it. If we're both in agreement, we'll pay out. If we're both in disagreement, we, it doesn't get paid out. And if there's an imbalance of agreement, then uh, it goes to a third party DAO to come in and make the final decision for us. It acts as a jury on our uh, decision-making process. So we think that, that this is a better way of, of, of operating a claims process. And typically it, it works very, very quickly. So we've had a few claims come in uh, on, uh, on, on different policies that we, we've had. All, all of them so far have been rejected just on the fact that they weren't proper Uh, claims and the evidence wasn't submitted and the uh, and there wasn't actually a smart contract exploit in, in the in the first place but there have been many other examples of uh, other protocols people like insurance actually is a, is a good example where they assessed uh, claims uh, for the ust dpeg and uh, ended up paying out a substantial amount and doing it in a very very quick time turnaround time i, I think they went from 
DPEG to pay out with about three weeks, um, which given that it was about $12.5 million that they paid out, it's, uh, it's an impressive feat to see. Uh, so you already mentioned uh, other DeFi insurance protocols, Nexus Mutual, uh, Insurers, or Opium. Um, first of all, could you give us a, a map over all the players in the field? And then second question will be like the differences. Uh, how do you differ from, from the others? Well, I, I'm, I'm not going to go through all of them. There's <laughs> <laughs> about, about 20 or so that are in pure DeFi. And then beyond that, there's about four or five that I would say or sort of on the fringes of, of DeFi providing cover, but they're not really a, they're not a, a decentralized protocol themselves. They are a traditional insurance firm that will provide cover for, uh, uh, for the, for the sector. Um, you know, there is, when you look at the, the industry, the Nexus Mutual is the, is a grandfather. They're, they're really the, the ones who started us, but they only started three years ago, right? So insurance is new. The whole DeFi sector is very, very new. You know, we are finding our feet, uh, to, to, to really, um, Uh, help and grow this industry and and to be honest when i look at my uh, you know competitors in the industry we we really don't see people as competitors at this stage because we're all very nascent we're all very new in this uh in this business and the um we've got a huge job uh to do so if you look at the traditional financial services sector insurance equates to about about 25% or so of the uh, of all uh, capital running through the financial services sector, uh, and, which is trillions of, uh, of, of dollars. If you look at DeFi right now, insurance equates to, well, a few weeks ago, it was about 0.5%. I dare say right now, it's probably about 0.3% of the entire um, ecosystem. And so, we have to push that figure up to at least 25%. In fact, I, my personal goal is to push it up to about 80% in terms of uh, assets covered uh, in, in DeFi. Now, in order to do that, we need a lot of people to, to, cover that, to cover that space and to make sure that it is safe for everybody coming into the industry. And the reason why it needs to, to be there is that without coverage, we're not going to be getting the uh, institutional players to come into the space. If we don't get the institutional players to come into the space, we're certainly not going to be able to uh, get the average retail uh, person. And I'm not talking about those who have already joined um, uh, crypto, the sort of you know, one, two, three percent of the world that are now using crypto. I'm talking about the, you know, the, the other 50, the, the, you know, the 80, the 90 percent of people in the world using um crypto because they are going to take their signals from their bank or their you know their trusted uh, mobile wallet or, or whoever it is and those people are going to be providing the insurance hopefully with players like ourselves and uh, and others as, as the industry grows i think it's a recurring theme that in the beginning there is not so much competition as as rather cooperation because everything is so new so many things need to be developed to be covered, to be discovered, um, and everyone need, is learning from each other. And I think this is a part of the the, the culture and the ethos that people also uh, that draws people into crypto because um, it's not 
yet as mature where there's pure competition and everything is standardized and goes through i don't know economies of scale and so on so um this is part of what makes uh, crypto so interesting right now and uh, yeah definitely um insurance is one of the cornerstones to to bring web3 to a billion people because you need yeah. institutions for that and they won't touch anything if they can't uh manage their risk properly yeah and so, yeah when i look at yeah i can't our typical customers we we deliver the product to anybody who wants to use the protocol because it's DeFi and anybody can interact but really the main drivers of of revenue uh, are going to be our major institutional uh play so one of our customers is another DeFi uh protocol they are working with a very very large well-known uh hedge fund uh, who want to deploy about 100 million dollars into them this hedge fund has said okay everything checks out your uh, technical uh, requirements all check out But in order for us to be able to do this with our customers' funds, you guys need to get uh, smart contract risk insurance. And so that's why they come to us and, and pick us up. And, uh, and yeah, we're there to you know, provide that to them and enable that, that flow of capital. And that flow of capital then gets deployed into several other DeFi protocols. So it really does help the whole industry. When did you see personally uh, for Amulet Protocol the first evaluation from the market like real demand that you were able to to cover the biggest um change for us personally was probably around april this year so by april we came out in, in terms of we were working in stealth uh, up until that point and we came out we said we were we were operating on solana and we're going to be the first um defined insurance protocol on solana Uh, this is what we're doing. And the amount of inbound inquiries that we had that week was just insane. Like, we, I mean, virtually the entire ecosystem came out and said, we really need you, like, come and help us. We need, we, we want coverage here on this and that. And uh, honestly, a little bit overwhelming, you know, for a, for a startup, there's only so much you can do and there's only so many products you can work on at any one time. And apart from anything, we hadn't even released our, our product by that stage. So that was, a, that was the first indicator. And then it was when we, um, when we released the, the, the platform in October as well, up until uh, the FTX actions. And, and between then and, and now, uh, we actually we stopped sales for a short period just for the market to stabilize and, and understand where, where things were going. Today, actually, we, we, we're turning our, our uh, sales engine back on, I'm very happy to say. But the, um, um, uh, up until that point, a couple of weeks ago, we'd sold 631 policies. Now, that might not sound like a, a huge uh, figure, but when you put it into context, you look at somebody like Nexus Mutual or Insurace, they've sold about 7,000 or so uh, policies in, in over three years. So we'd just done just under 10% in four weeks. And so that was, that was a huge you know, indicator to me to say, yeah, there is demand. There is massive demand on our, um, uh, for our product within inside the ecosystem. People want it. And you know, we could be talking you know, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars worth of coverage, as well as hundreds of dollars. And um, we're the guys that are able to do that. And that's actually... We're able to provide hundreds of dollars worth of policy because of the Solana ecosystem, because on Ethereum, as you're probably well aware, we just can uh, provide that with the uh, gas fees, et cetera.
Hmm. How does the sales process look like? Uh, because I, I presume you are, uh, the, the project is set up as a decentralized entity. Yep. And so uh, how does this go together with, I don't know, sales teams or is this automated? How does the sales process look like? So right, right now it's very much the founding team uh, that, that manage the, the, the kind of the, the, the sales process. I mean, when, when we're talking to outside parties and protocols and, 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 and that sort of stuff. But as you as an individual, if you wanted to get a, uh, a protocol that's, that's our coverage on a protocol that we've already listed, that's very, very easy. You go uh, straight onto the Amulet website, you pick the protocol that you want, you put in how much coverage you uh, you want, it'll give you a, a price, you pay the fee, and uh, you, you have coverage uh, from that date going forward. And the um, yeah, obviously the future for us is actually to make that even easier. We want to streamline this process. We want to integrate with, uh, with Radium, with Binance, with anywhere you're actually going to be purchasing or, or uh, staking your assets and wanting to buy cover at point of purchase, you'll be able to tick a box and just go tick. Then I've, uh, I'm covered for, uh, for that. Or potentially you'll be using institutions that are just have already got total blanket coverage for everybody using them. And we can provide that directly to them too. So it's all automated at the point of sale. That's, that's, that's the future, full, full automation. Yeah, anything we can automate, we will automate. Um, and I just love that to apply to me and my life too. <laughs> What are the challenges that uh, you and other existing decentralized risk protection protocols face and have? So the biggest challenge to all of us uh, is capacity, always around capacity. So it's difficult um, or it has been more difficult. There's a lot more interest nowadays, but the, it's difficult to, to excite people around uh, staking in a, in, in, a, in a DeFi insurance uh, protocol. And the that that comes down to the, the the fact that they think well this huge risk i put my money in i'm just risking it against that protocol uh being you know exploited and all my money goes and that has happened before on, on other older protocols and which are no longer in existence because the way that they were designed was fundamentally flawed so trying to to re-educate and re-engineer and say look we're designed an entirely different way that protects your staked assets is, a, is actually a really difficult thing for us to do. So there's a big education uh, part in order to drive capacity. Um, and when we drive capacity, we're able to sell more and more and more uh, policies. And that on our side is the thing that we definitely do not have the issue with. We, uh, you know, we were consistently sold out on all uh, products day after day after day, right up until uh, FTX. So wait, capacity is is money backing claims. Uh, that's the bottleneck. Yeah, it, it's it's staking uh, it, in order to provide underwriting uh, capacity. Yeah, and and this capacity is also capacity for you, or is not not a constraint for you? Oh, that, that, that's that's the biggest constraint for for us as well mm. as uh, as everybody else in the in the industry. But that, like I said, that, yeah, that conversation is getting easier. Yeah, especially when. People really look at the model and they recognize, oh, there is, there is, you know, protection. There is, there is a risk engine in here. It's well designed. It's well thought out. And actually, the, the relative risk to my capital is, is pretty small. 
And so when you compare it to something like doing yield farming, where you are putting it back in the loan machine, you know, one, two, three, four, five, ten times, whatever it is, and the risk is going exponentially higher and you're still only yielding maybe 17 percent then actually doing something like uh ask where you just one click and you're done it's a lot easier it's a lot safer it's a lot um better thought through and and there's less things to be concerned about along the way what's the size of the market um could you give us like the rough calculations that you and the team have made it's It's vast because, you know, as we look as we look at the market, you know, we're obviously yeah, a trillion dollar market uh, at this stage. Um, we're looking for that to expand at least five or 10x over the next five to 10 years. And um, as we look at it right now, we, we have billions of dollars worth of uh, cover that we that people are demanding for insurance for. Um, And we as a, as a little company just have to try and find the, the, uh, the state capital to, to provide that, uh, that, that, that coverage. So, you know, it, when we look at uh, exact, uh, more exacting uh, figures, size of the market right now of, of uh, crypto insurance or, or DeFi insurance in terms of assets that are insured is about 500 million. My expectation is to push that all the way towards the uh, two three four trillion dollar mark mm. because of growth of the overall underlying market uh, growth in the underlying market as well as growth of the of the requirement to to in, ensure uh crypto around the around the market uh, it, you know in order to get that that institutional growth which spurs the retail growth as we we kind of mentioned before that is the that's critical um in order to drive the overall market growth right Amulet is creating the protocol controlled reserves PRC approach in which Amulet will build up reserves and introduce a claim structure involving a unique yield back claim YBC method. Can you give us insights to your protocol design? Yeah, so so this is coming back to the to the original um, structure I was talking about. So that kind of specialized risk engine and uh, that's all built into the PCR. Um, so the, the the PCR is core to everything that that amulet does and so you've got the staking rewards first that generates six seven eight percent if we're lucky um and that builds into the first pool of of reserves between a claim and a and a potential uh, um staked assets the second pool is the um the The, the premiums that come in uh, out of the, the insurance policies that we build. And the third pool is the, uh, is the assets we hold from the capital acceleration program. And, and as I touched on before, the capital acceleration program is there to help protocols encourage users to increase the amount of capacity for their given insurance policy. And why would they want to do that? It's because they're on the phone with uh, one of these very large uh, hedge funds or, or institutions who want to deposit a huge amount of capital into their uh, protocol. So they need to get the capacity of that insurance policy up before that those big guys can come in and uh, and take the policy and uh, deposit into their pol uh, protocol as well. Mm -hmm. And so from uh, listeners from Staking Rewards side, how does staking come in there is basically staking is the mechanism to build up the reserves that are backing the claims for the policies sold. 
and uh, people are able to earn rewards from staking with Amulet Protocol. Is that right? Correct, one hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, stake, uh, staking in a, in Amulet is a very safe way to generate a very high yield, uh, and you do it do so by staking Sol right now into uh, Amulet Protocol. That Sol can then be staked into or creates our liquid staking token, AMT cell, which can be staked into AUWT, our underwriting token. And if you want to go the next stage up from that, you can also stake AUWT into individual protocols and earn even higher rewards, but you are also increasing your risk. So the base level, just come in, stake soul. In fact, on the front page, you can stake soul uh, straight into AUWT and, and, and forget about everything else and you'll get a really healthy uh yield on that uh that capacity and the risk of that capacity the core risk is about risking your yield and not your initial uh, uh principle so that's how the whole system is designed is order is in order to uh risk on uh, put all of the risk that we're putting on the claims into that yield mm. so it's like three stages of staking uh, all with increasing risk profile Correct. How do you decide which protocols to cover, uh, to, to offer cover for, and especially how, how do you decide on where do you want to expand next, like uh, um, even across Seoul uh, yep. onto other ecosystems? So um, I'll answer in two different questions. How do we decide uh, protocols? It's a very good question. It, again, comes very heavily into our risk assessment system. So uh, we start talking with the protocol initially, we send them over our risk assessment form, which they have to fill out. That form principally is looking for three core things. It's looking for how much TVL they've got right now. It's looking for the, um, and how quickly that was built up, which is also quite, quite key to our risk assessment. Um, we're also looking at who's audited them and uh, how those audited, audits have been done. And if there've been any changes to the code, uh, subsequent to that audit, audit. We're also looking for a CER rating. So a CER rating is uh, something been developed by Hacken and gives a generic rating to uh, the risk or a safety of a project um, that, um, uh, that, that we're looking for. And so we get them to, to sign up for that as well. And if they get a high enough CER rating, they've got a, a credible uh, audit, they've got uh, a high enough uh, TVL and R, Critically, our tech team has also signed off on their smart contracts. And this is specifically looking at smart contract uh, risk. We are then able to uh, provide an insurance policy and, and work out what the premium would be. The higher the premium, the higher the risk in, in, our, in our view. So, for example, uh, multiple nested um, uh, or triggered um, smart contracts would be a higher risk. Than something that's very simple and a, and a very easy to understand uh, uh, smart contract, and um, and so the um, yeah that that's our that's our primary way of of assessing a protocol. In terms of which protocols we take on, it's uh, somewhat demand led, and that demand is led by partly by our community, but also partly by who's coming to us and asking for uh, for cover. The The primary amount of, uh, of, of demand is really led by those people coming to us saying, we need coverage. We have this co uh, customer here who wants to deposit quite a lot of uh, capital. And that obviously helps our stakers. It helps our community. It helps them. It helps the Solana ecosystem. And so that's why we, we go where the demand is. And all of the 
assessments and especially the results of these assessments, are they visible to the entire market on chain or is there a part of it left just towards the core team? Yeah, so the, right now there's there's some elements that are just in in the in the core team, but we are actually going to make those uh, public on the, uh, in the in the protocol. It's been asked for us to to put our risk assessment process into each individual policy that that's going to be coming as well. So the um, in short, yes, it's it's all going to be available right now. That they're they're, uh, they're they're hidden just because we haven't developed that out on the uh, on on the platform, but. Everybody has to go through that 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 process, and uh, and we have to be very clear about you know we, we cannot take on any anybody. It it is damaging to us and the entire ecosystem if we are to take on somebody that could be exploited. Mm, got it. And for our live listeners, if you have questions for Rupert, make sure to drop them in the comment section below, uh, and I will pick them up. Um, one question that I was thinking about is how. Do traditional finance people look to you? I mean, you you will have uh, certainly some exchange there, and those are huge mammoths uh, dominating the whole of the traditional finance uh, scene, so to say. What's their what's the flavor of the conversations with them? It's really interesting, actually. So we we've uh, spoken with a number of different uh, firms in the, the, the traditional. Uh, insurance sector uh, they are very interested in what we are doing in in the DeFi sector they don't really understand it for the most part and there's levels of 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 knowledge so um this huge firm probably i think about the third largest in the world we were, we were talking to they invited us over to san francisco and, and talked to their entire management team and so we went to uh to talk to them about what's happening in web3 in terms of some of the risks that we're seeing and how we are, are approaching them. And really, I think what their, their interest is right now is just trying to understand, because there are people in that room that hadn't bought a, a single bit of crypto in their entire lives. So that, you know, the, you take insurance and, uh, sorry, you take the financial sector and you can, you know, a lot of people have definitely heard of uh, crypto and, I would argue in the financial sector, probably quite a lot have, have bought some right now, but you, you, the subsect of insurance with inside that, you know, you're, you're talking to a group of people who are very, very risk averse. And so it is a very slow, um, but it's a healthy process to, to, to go through. And so we've, we've been building those links um, since day one. Um, and um you know, each different firm has a different understanding and different take on them. And we are starting to see them take those first uh, steps in, into um, um, in, into crypto and, and into uh, DeFi insurance as well. In particular, I believe Munich Re has mm. just done a deal with a product called Names, N-A-Y-M-E-S. Um, and they uh, are another you know, DeFi insurance protocol. They operate in a slightly different way in, in terms of that they, they have a kind of risk marketplace. Um, but the, they're able to, um, Munich Re have reinsured them so that if they have a large claim that clears out all of their uh, capital, then Munich then takes on the risk uh, thereon as well. So it's they are taking those steps. At the moment, it's a very high cost and it's a, a you know, mm. it's, very small amount of capital that we're talking about in comparison to the, what the actual size of the market is. 
but it's a good sign. It's a good indication. And I think it will, it's going to transform the industry, you know, in, in, in the future. They, they can't avoid it. But our focus and our opportunity, obviously, is to, is to really capture that market and, and own it. And that's really what, what Amulet is focused on. Hmm. I think it's super interesting to think about it that uh, for in traditional finance, if you could look directly into the, the mathematical heart of the big insurers, it's crazy everyone would, would want to copy them and would get gain so much insight and actually have the situation in DeFi that you can almost see everything. So potentially there's nothing hindering these people to to just come in, copy the thing and, and, and ensure everything. But actually there is a huge barrier to that. This is just a knowledge gap, right? Uh, yeah. And so that, that explains also why uh, why they're very interested to to hear information from you. And I also think at that stage, Uh, there is no, there cannot be a competition, something like that. It's it's really cooperative. Because... Yeah, I, uh, that that that's exactly it. And 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 that's what you know. Our, our sort of focus is as a business. Yeah, we are. We're very focused about being a massive thorn, yeah, in the industry, so that we're able to have so much industry coverage over the next five, ten years, that actually, you know, it'd be impossible for a a traditional insurer to come into the space without having to partner or without having to do something uh, with us. And that's, that's almost core to our strategy. Hmm. How was Amulet Protocol set up legally? Uh, so we are a DAO. We, we operate entirely in the, um, in, in the, as a decentralized or, or autonomous organization. Um, we did raise under a, uh, a BVI entity, uh, which is still in existence, um, but that will be obviously disbanded at, at a set point in time um, when we go fully autonomous. Is MEV also part of uh, your strategy in a way? Uh, do you plan to incorporate MEV to your sole staking services? And so, if so, where would these additional rewards go? That's a very, very good question. In short, we haven't integrated it anything just yet. Uh, we are very interested in what um, um, the whole kind of MEV movement is is doing. Our interest is probably more around you know, what the um, what the risks are uh with uh with what you what you're trying to do with with the mev and so we're trying to to understand that better so that we can design a product uh around it it's a big topic on everybody's lips right now and so um yeah it would be it would be our our you know focus to, to look at the the risk side first over the staking side now i, I caveat that because If we can employ it at a low enough risk uh, level with our own within our own staking mechanism, we will, and the and the rewards for that will obviously go into the same pools that the um, the the capital from the uh, from the premiums and from the um, staking already goes into. So essentially, it goes back to the staker. Got it. I'm going to turn to the community questions now uh, and leave two conclusion questions to, to after that. So um, Mason is asking, how relevant do you think DeFi coverage is in a bear market? It's a very good question. Um, so 
I think it's actually more relevant now than it is typically, or at least it seems more relevant now to the individuals that are buying it than the um, uh, than than in a um, a bull market. So we started as a as a project back in October, November of uh, last year, uh, so in twenty twenty one, and trying to get people interested in uh, DeFi when it's at the as a, a insurance when the market's at the top was actually much more complicated because people were saying, well, look, you're getting massive yields from uh, DeFi. What's, you know, you're only going to be generating, you know, 14, 20%, you know, what, how on earth is that interesting uh, to, um, uh, you know, to somebody in this marketplace? Um, uh, and we just had to really rebut that back and say, look, the yields that you're getting on a lot of these protocols are inflated and they're not real. Um, they can't possibly, you know, operate for very much longer. And, and you know, and then we saw things like the crash of Luna and, and UST and Anchor and, you know, all of these you know, issues that happen in, in you know, Q1, Q2. And a lot of those other protocols going bump and rug pulls happening left, right and centre. It was, you know, it was inevitable. You know, from our point of view, it's totally inevitable. We saw it happening a, a long a long way out thankfully our investors who came in by that stage also saw it as inevitable and so they were backing us on the basis that okay insurance is a good product through the bear market and so that's that's the thing you know how relevant is it in, in a uh, bear market i think it's, in, it's incredibly relevant in any market uh, uh fashion but we get much more attention in a bear market because we are there to protect people and a lot of people have just been burnt and as much as i'm i'm i mean i hate being the ones who say i told you so or that you know we need more of this when people are hurting it is unfortunately inevitable that we do need need more of this it's not the only thing we need we we it, but it's it's a massive component definitely um the whole crypto market tends to be super pro-cyclical, so it's great to have discovered at least one subsector that is uh, anti-cyclical, so to say. So that's that's good to have with insurance. We we, we would like to be um, consistent. Actually, is is where we would like to be, just consistently plodding along, doing great rewards, doing the same sort of rewards that any other insurance company has been doing for decades and decades and decades, uh, or hundreds of years actually, but just average people have not been able to access because they've not had, you know, you know, a $10 million mansion that they can put on the line for uh, Lloyd's of London and become a name of London. You know, the, these kind of old school, you know, barriers to entry for people. That's one of the things that our, our mission is to, is to break down. But then it's also, you know, about making sure that everybody's safe. From, Ona Hack, we got the question, are you planning to move to another ecosystem due to the current situation with Solana? So I, I, I mentioned this right up, up front. We are a multi-chain solution anyway. So we're not going to be moving, so to speak, anywhere. But we will be absolutely adding additional chains to our, um, to our system and, uh, and integrating that with the overall uh, Amulet uh, protocol. But the... Um, in short, no, we're not we're not moving anywhere. Um, and I'm actually pretty bullish on Solana. I'm also pretty bullish that the whole ecosystem will come back pretty strong 
in the next bull cycle. I have been wrong before about a lot of these things. I've said it publicly that I uh, that, that about things that I, I've been been wrong about. But you know, looking at how well the DeFi uh, ecosystem is doing, looking at how well the um, uh, the Solana price has been doing in the midst of all of this FUD, I, I think it's, it's doing remarkably well personally. Got it. Uh, then another question, a little bit on a lighter note uh, from Mason. Uh, Rupert, you have a cool beard, says the entire Russian, Ukrainian and Belarusian community. How long did it take you to grow it? Uh, uh, <laughs> um, not that long, actually. This is, I mean, I've had it now for probably uh, eight months or so. For the, um, I, uh, it only takes about two or three months to get to this level. I know I've always got a beard. If you go back to the other shots of uh, me at the beginning of uh, of Amulet, uh, it's just it's it's just shorter, and it and it might be coming off. I don't know if the uh, yeah. I, I don't know if that's a, it's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, maybe we need a community uh, vote on that. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we'll we'll put that to community. That's a great point, actually. Thanks, Mason. I, I will uh, I'll pick that up with Mackie later. <laughs> great. Uh, Maria is also asking or, or saying. Uh, we have a very friendly community. Thanks to the team for this, for the games and the additional op opportunity to get points. What are your plans for the ambassador program? What other interesting things do you have in store for the community? I don't know if it if it was on Amulet that I saw that you had a chess tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do we, uh, we do chess. We do weekly uh, weekly games of which I do oh, my best uh, to, to to join. Although it's been a few weeks, so again, sorry from my uh, perspective. Uh, but Pinto Pilado is our is our king when he uh, comes to, to organizing these things. And he's got a great team around him, including uh, uh, Mason, who's been uh, commenting. But the in, in terms of you know, what's happening with inside the uh, Amulet uh, community. So if you haven't joined, if you're watching this and you're going, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, go on to uh, amulet.org, click on uh, the Discord uh, link and, and do join in the, the community. It's great fun. We, we, we put a lot of effort into it because it's core to everything that we do. And uh, there's a lot of rewards that you can gain, uh, in particular through our Ammunition app. Now, the big thing uh, with um, the Ammunition app is there's a huge new release coming. And that's going to be uh, on the other side of uh, Christmas. I think it's going to be nearer to March, if I'm being honest. And I hope I'm not spoiling anybody's thunder by, by talking about this now. I, I'm just realizing as I'm halfway through the sentence. But the, uh, there's a huge new uh, update coming. And with that update, there's a lot more actions um, for, the, for the whole community. And it's a lot more integrated with everything that we're doing. So, um, yeah, hold out uh, for that. Obviously, I do my AMAs um, was as much as possible. I, do, I try and join the AMAs uh, every, second, uh, every other Tuesday. Um, I think we've got one last one before Christmas, maybe. Um, And then we're going to take a little bit of time off to spend with our with our families and, and, and give them a hug, especially after FTX and, <laughs> and everything else has happened this year. Um, um, but um, uh, yeah, stay tuned inside the community. You're, that's the, the best place uh, for, uh, for updates. And uh, Pinta Pilado on the, on the community is your man for any questions further uh, to what I haven't been able to answer today. This sounds really great. I, th I think I need to join for one of the chess tournaments. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's great fun. Uh, and and you, you're up against some pretty good opponents. I, 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 it's the do you know, they, I like doing. Do you know their uh, scoring, what they have? 
I don't it's... know. Um, but the uh, certainly the uh, I, you've got a, a large uh, Russian and Ukrainian uh, section, and as, as you can imagine, they're pretty good on their chess. Got it right. Um, maybe give us again. I mean, in the beginning, you already plugged it, but give us again an overview over your roadmap. Let's say over the next twelve months or twenty-four months. Okay, so uh, core that's uh, happening is we'll be adding in uh, some additional uh, change and coverage. Um, and then we've got uh, a whole bunch of different products that are coming uh, out, including stablecoin, DPEG, uh, slashing cover, um, exchange risk, custodian risk, uh, NFT uh, risk, GameFi risk. Um, there's loads and loads uh, coming. And, and really, for when I look towards the end of that 24 months, it's really about growth, 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 growth. So all of my focus is, is entirely around how do we grow Amulet to the next stage? How do we get from, you know, the small amount of um, TBL we have now up to the, 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 the next value? Where do we get to 250 mil? Where do we get to a billion? When do we get to um, those greater... Uh, figures in terms of staking and then on the other side like when how do I um, bring in the, the bigger policies to make sure that we're providing the yields back to those staking because you've always got that two-sided uh, issue you have too much capital on one side your yields are going to be very much uh, smaller you've got too much insurance you can't sell uh, if you've got um, too little um, uh, uh, capital on this side and that's that's the position that we're in right now we've always got far too much demand And far too little capital on, on, the, on the platform. So that's, that's my focus over the next uh, 24 months. Obviously, it's not just about me. It's team effort. And that's what we're, we're all heading towards. Speaking of the team, are you hiring? And if so, what profiles are you looking for? <laughs> uh, are you looking for a job, Marion? Is, no, uh, no. is this the right? Uh... <laughs> I, always, I ask that to all, all guests on, this, on the show. Um, so at this very moment in time, we're not hiring. Um, but we're always interested in uh, people who are excited about our mission and people who are excited about what we want to achieve. And if you have any sort of applicable skill set, message us. You know, we're available on Discord. We're available on Telegram. Always um, uh, send uh, me or the, 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 any other, the, the rest of it. The team uh, a message saying, I really want to work for you and this is what I can do. I, I think I can make a, a big impact and we can always try something out. We want to work with people that want to work for us. Um, so at the moment, there's no specific role that we're looking for. But if you are a uh, developer, if you're an actuary, if you are uh, a business development executive and you reckon you've got the good skills to help us, message us. We'll always take a look. Perfect. And uh, closing off with one or two questions towards you more personally. Uh, first thing is about books. What are your favorites and what are you reading right now? Uh, probably one of my favorites is uh, Zero to One, um, uh, which, uh, oh God, the, the, um, uh, the, the, the writer has just gone out of my head. Uh, Peter Thiel, I think, Zero to One. Mm. Um, I may have to look that one up. Um, but that was a, a, a great, um, um, uh, you know, book in, in terms of like understanding like when you are at a certain point with a startup. I've built multiple different businesses over the years. And, and so, you know, books around business are like really uh, excite me and I enjoy. Um, what I'm reading right now um, 
multiple different Lego books to my son. Um, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't actually got a, a good read on. So uh, I'm going to put this out to the community as well as to, as to what should I read over the Christmas break? Which book should I get? Watch and what what should I read? Uh, and what's what's going to help me uh, take Amulet to the next step? Great. All right, closing it off here. Uh, what's the best way to follow you and Amulet Protocol? So uh, best way is on uh, Twitter. Uh, so uh, at Amulet uh, Protocol is our is our Twitter handle. Uh, if you want to uh, follow me, it's at MetaBear with uh, fours instead of A's because it makes it very easy that way. But if you follow. Uh, <laughs> At Amulet Protocol, you'll no doubt uh, uh, find uh, me. But most importantly, go to amulet.org, uh, join the community, join the ammunition, and um, you know, and have some fun. Thank you, Rupert, for being so generous with your time. We have been speaking with Rupert, the project lead of Amulet Protocol. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to check out on any of the previous episodes on Spotify and YouTube and subscribe to our channel for all future episodes. We love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. You can write us at mondays at stakenrewards.com, sign up to a state of stake newsletter at newsletter.stakenrewards.com and follow me on Twitter. That's at Rokifehu, R-O-K-I-F-E-H-U. See, I got the same problem there. Didn't think about it when <laughs> putting up that name and our team at Staking Rewards. I'm Marian Walter. You're listening to the Staking Mondays here on Staking Rewards. For Rupert and the audience, thanks for tuning in. Thank you.